It's the fourth and final day of Ketanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court. The federal judge appeared in front of lawmakers for three days and has faced questions from the Senate Judiciary Committee. I am here standing on the shoulders of generations of Americans who never had anything close to this kind of opportunity. My judicial philosophy is to rule impartially and to rule consistent with the limitations on my authority as a judge. If you had to tell the American people who you're closest to, who is that justice? Or who are those justices? I must admit that I don't really have a justice that I've molded myself after or that I would. What I have is a record. If confirmed, Jackson will be the first black woman and the first former federal def public defender to sit on the nation's highest court. Joining us now to discuss the biggest takeaways from the hearings is Professor Stephen Schwinn with the University of Illinois Chicago Law School. Hi, Professor. Great to have you back. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So give me your overall impression of the hearings. Oh, wow. What, uh, what a couple of days, right? <laughs> so we saw some some just hyper-aggressive questioning from uh, many of the Republicans on the panel to the point of uh, outright inappropriateness and rules violations. Um, on the one hand, on the other hand, we saw just a truly inspirational speech by uh, Senator Cory Booker and a, uh, a really lending support to, uh, to the judge and to her nomination and to everything that she has endured. Uh, speech that I commend to anybody to watch. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and and we'll play some of those moments throughout this conversation so that uh, folks can hear them. Um, but we talked with you Monday, Professor, before the hearing started. You mentioned the importance of the opening statements in that conversation. So let's, first of all, listen to a bit of what Judge Jackson had to say. During this hearing, I hope that you will see how much I love our country and the Constitution, and the rights that make us free. What stood out to you from her speech? So she, I, I thought she did an outstanding job articulating her positions on fundamental questions as far as she or any other judicial candidate should be willing to go in this kind of hearing. And what I mean by that, Sasha, is that she was able to articulate a kind of methodology to her approach, a commitment to the Constitution, to the rule of law, and quite frankly, to our country, and uh, and do that in a way that didn't get into the inappropriate details mm -hmm. that judicial nominees going back decades now have avoided in these hearings. Yeah, she was very careful with what she chose to say and what she chose not to say. You know, she avoided giving her personal opinion wherever possible, though there were some senators who did do their best to try to push her to discuss things like her faith and uh, other beliefs. So what do you make of the questions she chose to answer? Well, I thought she, I thought she hit it spot on. Uh, she did a fantastic job dodging questions that she really shouldn't have answered uh, and quite rightly did not answer. Questions about policy, for example, how she feels about the criminal justice system. Uh, questions about her faith and how that would impact her role as a, as a jurist, and questions about specific cases and specific uh, issues about her judicial philosophy. I thought she quite rightly avoided. But again, on the other hand, I thought she did an outstanding job of quite clearly articulating the way she approaches cases in an even-handed, 
deep way. It really gets into the details. And again, Sasha, here for listeners, I'm just going to commend her opinions. Um, they're incredibly detailed and, and incredibly uh, thorough in their reasoning. Mm-hmm. You, uh, when we spoke to you earlier this week, you had given some predictions. You said that um, you expected to see some senators do a lot of politicking. I would say that you were correct. What did you notice? <laughs> That's an understatement, right? Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, they were, uh, it seemed to me that, that particularly the Republicans were just road testing ideas for the 2024 election, yeah. fundraising and grandstanding in ways that I think were just overtly political. We did see some new themes come out. So we, we saw we saw some of the themes that we knew were going to come out, uh, alleging that the judge is soft on crime, particularly with child pornography, which, uh, you know, fact checkers have shown is demonstrably false. Um, some concerns about her experience as a public defender and with uh, Guantanamo uh, Bay detainees, uh, which really came to a, a fine point with Senator Graham's questioning. Um, but then we saw some new issues come up as well. And so we saw Republicans, for example, make a lot of noise about substantive due process and privacy rights under the Constitution, which formed the basis of Roe versus Wade and so many other opinions mm-hmm. uh, that look like they're going to be under a sustained attack by Republicans, not only throughout the course of this nomination, but perhaps through the midterms in the 2024 election. Well, uh, Judge Jackson was interrupted multiple times while trying to answer those questions, uh, especially from certain committee members. And things really did get quite contentious at times. So let's listen to some of those exchanges. Any of these wait, wait, defendants... Wait, 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 you think it is a bigger deterrent to take somebody who's on a computer looking at sexual images of children in the most disgusting way is to supervise their computer habits versus putting them in jail? No, Senator, I didn't say versus. That's exactly what you said. You come in with 57 Time months. Time has expired. Why Senator, did you two sentence minutes him over to just 57 months in the Stewart case? Do you want to address that? Because you're claiming it's cherry-picking. In fact, you're welcome to explain any of these cases, but let's take the Stewart case. Why Senator Coons, did you sentence him for half the amount? You're not recognized, Senator, Senator you, Coons. You don't want her to answer that question? My question is, do you regret it or not? Senator, what I regret is that in a hearing about my qualifications to be a justice on the Supreme Court, we've spent a lot of time focusing on this small subset of my sentences, and I've tried to explain You regret that we're focusing on your cases? I don't understand. No, no, no. I'm I'm talking about the fact that you're talking about seven very serious cases. Those questions had to do with her sentencing in child pornography cases. Professor, is this typical behavior during the confirmation process? No, good grief. This is just outrageous. And, um, you know, Sasha, it, it, it makes me deeply worried that these senators are not only grandstanding, but they're doing this uh, because of the characteristics of the judge in front of them. I mean, this is the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court. And it's hard to uh, it's hard to ignore the optics here. You have predominantly white men, uh, white women, and Senator Black, Blackburn asking these questions in just such a hostile and inappropriate way. I just cannot imagine this panel asking questions in this way. For example, to uh, well, in fact, they didn't ask these questions in this way 
to uh, to so many white nominees that went to the Supreme Court. It's, mm. it, it's, it's just outrageous. I mean, in the way that she handled herself, she was just oh. the epitome of, of poise and grace and just uh, she has some a level of patience. I just as I aspire to have. Spot on. And uh, yeah, I, I can't agree more. Uh, handled herself extremely well. And over the course of uh, Wednesday, what I noticed is that she became more quite rightly emboldened in her responses to this, these lines of questions right. and, uh, and responded in, uh, I wouldn't say an aggressive way, but certainly an assertive way, an appropriately assertive way to some of these just outrageous questions. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is Professor Stephen Schwinn with UIC's Law School. We're talking about the biggest takeaways from Katanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court confirmation hearings. I want to bring another voice to the conversation, though. So joining us now is Judith Brown Dianis, executive director of the Advancement Project, a nonprofit organization that focuses on racial justice. Judith, welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks for having me. So you've also been following the hearings closely, I imagine. And yesterday you tweeted, quote, Black women are experiencing serious triggers as we watch the SCOTUS confirmation hearings of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Now, Judith, that sums up my personal feelings to a T. Mm-hmm. But can you just explain to the people listening to us right now exactly what you meant by that statement? Sure. So, first of all, I'm a black woman who went to University of Pennsylvania undergrad and Columbia Law School and um, know what it is like to be in, uh, in an educational environment where people question whether or not you belong, where people um, underestimate your intelligence all the time, who challenge you and, you and your thoughts and not just your presence, but also your intellect and, and your thinking and your opinions on things. And um, and that doesn't just apply for a black woman who went to a double Ivy League, right? Is black women in general. Um, I feel like watching her was all of us sitting in that heat, um, knowing the ways in which we are challenged and the indignities that are thrust upon us by um, those who are not like us. And so it has been difficult. Um, I actually didn't think that I would be that emotional about it. I mean, I I knew I'd be very excited about it, et cetera, but I didn't know that it would bring up for me all of the experiences that I have had, not just in law school, but also in corporate America before I went to law school. It just was all front and center for me as I watched her in those moments. Well, those tears might come again, Judith, because I want to take a moment here and listen to when Judge Jackson was brought to tears herself. This was when Democratic Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey was speaking. And uh, let's hear what he had to say. You got here how every black woman in America who's gotten anywhere has done by being (laughs) like Ginger Rogers said. I did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in heels. (laughs) You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. The senator decided by that point, Judith, that Mm. she needed a break, right, from that bitter line of questioning. And then he just poured into her with words of encouragement. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, God's got you, my sister. What do you make of that exchange between them? Um, it was what we all needed in that moment. Um, affirmation um, is yeah. important. Um, and for her to know that you may be attacked, but you are worthy. You belong here, right? And it it was important. Um, Senator Booker, uh, you know, I needed it in that moment. Yeah. Um, and it it is just because we don't often get that, right? And I think it it kind of like leans into like what she talked about as her like what she would say to young people, those coming behind her, which is persevere. Like too often, black women. Uh, and men are told to just persevere, right? Like, Mm -hmm. get through it. Don't worry. Just keep your eyes on the prize. But there's a lot of of baggage that comes with that. There's incredible burdens. There's incredible pain and harm that we suffer as we persevere. And so it is important to have those moments where someone says, I see you, and I'm affirming you, and I believe that you belong here, and I know that you belong here. So it was it was a beautiful yeah. moment. I uh, I talked with Professor Schwinn a few moments ago about um, the difference uh, between how Judge Jackson and past nominees were treated. Mm-hmm. Did you see any differences between her confirmation oh. hearings and others? Mm-hmm. From the past, definitely, definitely. I mean, and the, I mean, in the Supreme Court um, nomination hearings, um, you know, this. I mean, there were two particular senators who stand out: um, Senator Cruz and Senator Graham, for yeah. um, the way in which they cut her off, wouldn't let her answer, um, yelled at her, raised their voices at her. Um, it's just not, first of all, you know, the Senate is known to have a, um, a level of decorum, right? It's not like the House of Representatives where you might, you know, it might be a little unruly over there, right? But the Senate is known to be filled with people who are reasonable and who, who do have decorum and who um, do not disrespect people that, that come before them. And that is not what we saw in that hearing. Um, and I will say this, that I also, you know, was concerned that the Democrats would, you know, maybe Senator Durbin once, right, or twice, like, intercepted and intervened and said, you know, let her answer, et cetera. But it was really left to Senator Booker to say, you know, to turn to her and say, we see you, we got you. Right. Yeah. That wasn't what she got. And and Senator Padilla did after. But but that was really important. And so I do think that, you know, the ways in which black women are attacked um, and who and are um, not given their their fullness and their humanity not being recognized mm-hmm. um, is is important for us to recognize. And so it's so it is this moment of um, hopefully for people um, to see this on display and to understand that this isn't just about the Supreme Court hearings, right? But this is the way black women often are treated, whether it is in the workplace or in these kinds of settings, um, and that we have to do better by black women. Professor Schwinn, when can we expect the full Senate uh, to vote on Judge Jackson? 
So the committee looks like it's going to try to vote by the 4th, April 4th, and then we'll expect a Senate vote soon after that. Uh, I do expect that this is going to be sharply divided. I don't expect that she's going to get any Republican votes from the committee members, but her uh, nomination will go to the full Senate. And if it's divided on purely partisan lines, then Vice President Harris will be able to break the tie in favor of her appointment. Was there anything that you were hoping to hear more about during the hearings, Professor? Um, I no, you know, I think the here that I got to give it to Judge Jackson here under yeah. outrageous questioning that was wholly inappropriate. She was able to really make a very, very strong case for her. And I'll say, ironically, you know, the Republicans, I think, made a really good case for her with their outrageous behavior. It's not very often that we get to see in full display the way that we did the kinds of structural barriers that black women face every single day in our society and in the workforce. But the Republicans put those on full display for us. And I think I can only hope that that will ultimately backfire on them. And I think it's just such a tremendous credit to Judge Jackson that she was able to sit and endure through that. As we've talked about, the Republicans really pressed the judge on her judicial record, um, particularly her defending Guantanamo Bay detainees and her sentencing in in those child pornography cases. Um, She was also grilled about her views on critical race theory and the children's book Anti-Racist Baby. I want to play a little clip from Senator Cruz, a Republican from Texas, asking her about that. Do do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that, that babies are racist? Senator, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued or though they are less than, that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I don't believe in any of that. Judith, take us back to the moment you watched that. What was going through your mind? Um, well, <laughs> I have to say first, I did laugh about this whole thing. Um, because <laughs> um, it, it was just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. But, but here's the thing, is that the, we have to understand that a lot of the questioning by Republicans was really not about this confirmation um, it was about setting up their and using their talking points that they plan to use in the midterm um, and probably in 2024, right? Um, critical yeah. race theory, um, soft on crime, all, you know, abortion. If this is all, these are all of like, they've just take, taken out their playbook and just like gave us another test run of their messaging. And so, um, so that's important to understand and put it in a, in a larger context. I also think that, you know, she she did well with these questions around, you know, like I also sure did. understanding that my my position as a judge is to look at cases. This isn't, you know, I don't bring this in. I don't read these books and then judge with critical race theory in mind. So, it's amazing how many um, times she had to repeat that, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this is one of the things is that Americans, this is, I 
I also think these hearings are important for like, it's just a good civics lesson, right? About get to know your senator because mm-hmm. they're on full display right now and acting out. Two is that um, you get to see how this process can be pretty ridiculous because she answered questions several times over and over again, any way you wanted her to answer. She gave these answers about what her job is as a judge and would not go off script for that. Right. And which is important. So, um, you know, so this is, it's par for the course that we got this line of questioning. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, but also that, you know, I would say that people should write down the names of all those books that were mentioned because they actually happen to be pretty good books. Apparently, uh, anti-racist baby is, is flying off the shelves right now because of, (laughs) because of that moment. Uh, professor, do any of these criticisms have merit? No, no. These criticisms don't have any merit whatsoever. And, the, you know, the material on critical race theory, criticisms of her public defender work and defense of Guantanamo detainees, all of this stuff, uh, you know, as Judith said, I think it, it's sort of made for the midterms and the 2024 presidential election. Um, she did such an outstanding job handling all of these questions. And in the clip that you played, Sasha, you could almost hear in that sort of pregnant pause. Oh, yes. Kind of, you know, where do I even like, begin? With what this kind of question right? is this? Because <laughs> that's what but, I was saying you know, at home, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Right. Tell me. And so where I thought she did particularly, uh, particularly good job, though, is in responding to some of Senator Graham's questions about Guantanamo detainees and her defense. And, and really, as Judith said, giving us a really good civics lesson about the importance of criminal defense and rule of law in our society. Those are very important values, critical values in our society. And she articulated them perfectly in response to those questions. Just under a minute left here, Judith, final words to you. What would Judge Jackson bring to the Supreme Court if she is confirmed? Well, I think important um, to pick up on this point about being a public defender. There is not a public defender that's on that court right now. And we need somebody who understands the uh, most people are prosecutors that get to the Supreme Court. So having somebody on the other side of that that understands how the law, criminal law is, is dispensed. Yeah. Um, also that as a being a black woman, right, which means like she's living at the intersection of race and gender and yeah. she will bring that voice. And, you know, while we know she will be in the dissent, it is really important because as Justice Sotomayor keeps showing us, um, a good dissent is important because it, it right. she can become the conscience of the court mm-hmm. and it gives us a pathway forward to where the court should be in the future. We'll have to leave it there. That's Judith Brown, Dianis, and Professor Stephen Schwinn. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.